Chapter Nineteen of the Crimson Cryptogram by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Nineteen: The Red Pocket Book. Do you mean to say that the paper Mister Busham destroyed was not Edgar's will? Asked Janet, while her sister uttered an exclamation of joy. I do mean it. I reported your conversation about our mutual friend to Cass, and we both agreed that he was not to be trusted with the original will. Cass, who is clever at imitating handwriting, procured a sheet of paper similar to that upon which the will was written, and copied it out, signatures and all. I'm afraid it was a species of forgery, but as it had to be done if we wished to checkmate Busham, we contrived the crime. It was just as well we did so, Miss Gordon, as Busham had no compunction in destroying the will. My wonder is that a clever pettifogger such as he could not see that the document was forged. Singular obtuseness on his part. If it had remained longer in his possession, he no doubt would have discovered the truth, replied Janet. But, if you remember, he merely glanced at it, and not crediting me with so clever an idea as substituting a copy for the original took it for the genuine will i can never thank you sufficiently doctor for what you have done nor i either chimed in laura who seeing that there was a prospect of recovering her husband's money plucked up her spirits now mr busham will not be able to rob me hm said janet with a frown putting the will out of the question my dear you are still in the same dangerous position as formerly if he finds out the trick dr ellis has played on him he may denounce you he will do so at his own risk cried ellis promptly and you may be sure he will never learn the truth from me until it can be told with safety to mrs moxton leave busham to me i shall know how to deal with him in some way or another we must clear up this mystery and exonerate mrs moxton if only there was some clue janet and laura looked meaningly at one another there is a clue although it is only a slight one said miss gordon hesitatingly to the identity of the murderer no but a clue which may lead to his discovery when laura was lying in a faint the man who stabbed edgar robbed him of his pocket-book but how could he do that without moxton recognizing him asked ellis you know that moxton did not die at once but lived long enough to scrawl those blood signs on his arm denouncing zirknitz now i know that your brother is innocent as he has established an alibi with the assistance of his landlady mrs pastor i cannot explain that doctor but undoubtedly edgar thought that rudolph stabbed him and so wrote on his arm to let laura know you can read the cryptogram i presume mrs moxton oh yes i know the signs very well janet taught them to me and i showed them to edgar for amusement he no doubt wished me to know that rudolph had stabbed him but why he used the signs i cannot say he hated rudolph always and would have got him into trouble if he could well said ellis after a pause i can conceive no reason why he acted as he did i don't suppose the truth will ever be revealed but about this pocket-book mrs moxton how do you know that the murderer took it i only think so it was a red morocco pocket-book with edgar's initials on it in gold he had it when he went out that night and i saw him put it into his breast-pocket when janet came to pimlico 
i asked her if she had seen it as i thought that there might be some banknotes in it and we needed money badly did he carry money in it yes when he had any on that night were there any notes in the pocket-book i cannot say rudolph declares that he won twenty pounds from edgar on that night edgar could not pay him save with an i o u so i don't think there could have been money in the book then why should the assassin steal it why indeed echoed janet who had been silent for some time that is what we wish to find out as edgar's jewellery was untouched robbery could not have been the motive of the crime i believe myself that the pocket-book must have contained some papers of value to the murderer no person but he could have taken it for i examined very carefully the clothes edgar wore when he was killed and could not find the pocket-book dr ellis said janet earnestly it seems to me that if you can find that book you will be able to lay hands on the criminal possibly miss gordon but in what direction am i to look in the autumn many men wear fur-lined overcoats so it is not a strong clue moreover the pocket-book must long since have been destroyed if the murderer valued his neck no on the whole i think it will be best to see busham as i said before my movements will depend upon the sort of information he supplies he will tell you nothing not of his own free will perhaps but i may be in a position to force his confidence it was now late as this conversation between the three had lasted a considerable time laura looked so fatigued and ill that ellis in his capacity of medical man insisted that she should retire take as much rest and sleep as you can mrs moxton and don't worry i will help you all i can in this matter and i have no doubt i shall be able to clear you of all suspicion good night ellis was accompanied to the door by janet who was hopeful of his success you will be certain to solve this mystery you and mr cass said she think how much you have discovered already by your observation and if i do solve it and write your sister what then miss gordon janet laughed and in kindly darkness blushed we can talk of that when the time comes she said answering his thought after the manner of women with this assurance the doctor was fain to be content and departed without gaining the kiss of which he had dreamt needless to say he was more in love than ever and thanked heaven that he had been brought into contact with so noble and earnest a woman as janet gordon anxious to hear the result of his friend's visit cass was waiting up for him and into his astonished ears ellis poured the whole story which exonerated and cleansed janet cass admitted that he had been wrong in his estimate of her character but how was one to read it properly under the circumstances he said testily i could not believe in the woman without proof i did said ellis smiling because you were in love yours was not legitimate belief on the same mad principle you would have trusted lucrezia borgia still your experience is sufficiently strange and i am glad that your instinct has been justified miss gordon on the face of it has proved herself a singularly able and i may say a noble woman but i must see more of her and learn to know her better before i can rescind my former opinion that she is not the wife for you to know her is to love her said ellis with deep emotion ah you see i don't know her therefore i cannot love her if i did you might object however the main question at present is how to extricate her and mrs moxton from their equivocal position 
until the assassin is found and all is made plain mrs moxton dare not explain our trick to busham or claim her property if she did he might be dangerous can he be dangerous so far as inclination goes i should say so but whether he has the power is another question and one not so easily answered however for your satisfaction bob i can tell you that busham is a liar while you were at myrtle villa i went round to drake at the police office and tried to find out if busham had spoken to any policeman on that night if you remember he declared that he held a long conversation with one at or near the station he trusts to that for an alibi but drake does not know busham he could tell you nothing harry quite so but he could tell me who was on duty that night i did not inform him of my reasons save that i was curious on my own account to learn who killed moxton so i found out the names of the police on duty that night queerly enough their term of service has come round again for night duty so i went out and questioned at least half a dozen about busham well asked ellis impatiently well busham is a liar he spoke to none of them and none spoke to him they never saw a gentleman of his description about on that night so i judged that he dodged after moxton in the shadows to avoid recognition now bob your best plan is to see busham and accuse him then we shall see if he can bring forward in his defence this supposititious policeman good i'll call on our mutual friend to-morrow but i shall see zirknitz first what for to ask him how busham was dressed on that night as the police would not recognize busham by his face they might by his dress and that way we can learn if any one of them saw him following moxton after they left the railway station having decided upon this course which under the circumstances was the most sensible both men retired to bed next morning after a further discussion with cass the doctor set out for bloomsbury as yet he had not many patients so he could afford the time but his practice was increasing and he foresaw that unless he could bring the matter of the murder to a speedy conclusion he would be obliged to throw it over altogether but on janet's account he was unwilling to do this as usual monsieur zirknitz was still in bed and ellis waited for some time in the glorious sitting-room which its owner apparently had created out of nothing when the austrian made his appearance he was as lively as ever and greeted ellis in his most genial manner ah ellis mon ami mon cher so you have arrived at once is it to take me to a prison or to join me at dejeuner the latter i hope friendship is so much more charming than enmity i have come only to ask you a few questions zirknitz also to tell you something which may astonish you astonish me mon cher i am never astonished at anything in this best of all possible worlds you have not read candide in which that saying occurs no ah you should voltaire is the most witty of his race eh bien what is your astonishing news i know your history and that of your sisters and i have learnt how miss gordon took the place of mrs moxton to fight her battles you know that ah well janet must have told you if she did she is right janet can do no wrong she is the dearest and most excellent sister in the world are you the best brother to her i mon ami i am a scamp i have no good in me if i had it would not be so creditable to janet that she is fond of me so she has told you all her intrigues what can i do 
Inform me about Busham. You saw him on that night? Oui, da. He followed that poor Edgar from the station. How was he dressed? Zirknitz reflected. It was cold that night, he said musingly. I put on a fur coat. Eh, ah, yes. Busham had a coat of the same and a tall hat. I can say no more than that. A fur-lined coat, a tall hat. This was precisely the scanty description given by Laura of her momentary glimpse of the assassin. What if the lawyer, after all, should be the guilty person? Full of excitement, Ellis detailed to Zirknitz his suspicions and cited the fact of the red pocket-book. The Austrian uttered an exclamation of astonishment on hearing that this was missing. "'Edgar, excellent Edgar, had it in his pocket at the music-hall. Eh? Yes, I quite remember.' He took out the book to show me a bill. A bill? What kind of a bill? A bill of exchange, or a promissory note. Now you speak, mon cher ami, it all comes back to me. Edgar showed me the name of his father on the bill, and declared that it was forged. A forged bill, said Ellis, and in the pocket-book which was stolen? Ah, this, then, may be the motive for the crime. Zirknitz, did Moxton say who had forged the bill? Eh, no. He said, My Rudolph, you see what I got from Busham this night. Busham, Busham, could he have forged the bill? Eh, no, I think not, or he would not give it to Edgar. Still, a forged bill obtained from Busham, and he followed Edgar out of the station. He wore a tall hat and a fur coat. As the assassin was dressed the same it might be, by heaven, Zirknitz, I believe that Busham is the guilty person after all. Zirknitz shrugged his shoulders, but did not offer an opinion, and as the doctor did not think that there was anything further to be learnt from him, he rose to go. At the door, however, he paused and made a chance remark, which gained him greater results than any of his previous questions. "'I forgot to tell you,' said Ellis, "'that I have tricked Busham. He thinks that he has a claim to a portion of Mrs. Moxton's property because he destroyed the will.' But what he destroyed, Monsieur Zirknitz, was a copy made by me. The original is in my possession. Rudolph's eyes sparkled. Then Laura will inherit all Moxton's wealth? Undoubtedly, as soon as she can claim it, without risking any danger from Busham. He knows too much. But not as much as I know. Listen, mon ami, I can tell you a great deal about Busham which will help you save Laura. Eh, yes, I will see that she gets the money of that poor Edgar. "'So that you may get a share of it, I suppose,' said Ellis dryly. Zirknitz laughed and shrugged his shoulders. "'But certainly. Why not? I am her brother. I need money. If I help her, she must help me. Listen, mon cher.' With this exordium, Zirknitz poured forth into Ellis's ears a story about the lawyer and about his own treachery, which at once pleased and horrified Ellis. He did not know whether most to hate or admire the scamp but in the end he decided that it would be diplomatic to hide his feelings, and so ended his visit. End of chapter 19, read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California.